Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Welcome to another very special episode of the Sales of the Mystified podcast. We are joined by Mo Miller. Um, and I'm super excited to have Mo on today because Mo actually has a background in sales. And I would say about 50% of the people we have on the podcast do and 50% don't. And I, I always love getting people's insights when they've actually been on the front line. Uh, it, it's normally a very interesting conversation. So Mo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Um, let's kick off with the first question. Um, how did you first get into sales ops? Because I know that you had extensive experience actually selling. And then it seems like you shifted over in the last three years or so at Simple Nexus. So tell us yeah. the story. Yeah. So I've been in a true sales operations role for the past three years or so. Um, one year at Simple Nexus and two years, a little over two years before that at Canopy. And so overall, um, you know, as a sales operations manager and then now as a director of sales operations, um, you know, coming up on three and a half years in total tenure in, in that role. Um, but with that said, um, I, I also spent time um, in a startup right out of college. Um, so jumped in, got my feet wet, my first official, you know, salary job um, after, you know, working to put myself through school was in a startup called Zang. Um, so in that startup, wore tons of different hats. Um, business development is kind of the overarching thing. Um, but everything from initially getting my boots on the ground and being the first non-developer, we had, um, you know, two and a half developers there at Zang um, that we had access to. It was purchased um, idea uh, by um, a larger holding company. Um, and they basically uh, bought a side project uh, from their developers. Um, so with that in mind, um, there was not actually a product to go to market with. Um, we went through a rebrand. Um, we, I was a project manager, got things up and running, built out the sales process, built out the collateral, built out the pitch. And really in you know, three to six months time, we went to market, started to sell, and then uh, eventually hired um, a few people on 
uh, my team um, to build that out and to start selling. And what I didn't know is that I was doing sales operations, uh, but really um, just was wearing a lot of different hats and didn't really get to focus on um, that operational side of things that I really liked um, because, you know, we had to start just selling and get, get up and running. Um, so long story short, um, eventually Facebook shut us down for privacy, um, concerns and, and the changes with privacy in, in, uh, Facebook. And we didn't keep up with, um, some of the demands that they had from a privacy standpoint. And so, you know, had to shut down, start back up. And it kind of was a, it was, it, it was an awesome experience. Uh, we were able to, you know, grow the startup and, um, become profitable, pay back the initial investment and, you know, become a, a, a profitable little startup, um, off the bat, um, uh, but really didn't grow and didn't expand fast enough. And it was, it was a great taste in both sales ops and startups. Um, uh, but it wasn't really, um, wasn't really operations at that point. Um, so I went back to selling, um, sold in two or three different AE positions, um, and got my, my start at Canopy, um, about three years after that. Um, so at Canopy was an AE, got the chance to be uh, boots on the ground as again in a, a startup, um, be one of the, f- the four initial, um, salespeople there, um, off the bat, one person, um, you know, took right off. It was, it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't what they were looking for. Um, so there was three of us to, to start and, you know, going in there, there was very little sales. Uh, I think we were, you know, below 20,000. Um, and then growing, um, after a, over a year, um, in selling, uh, we were over a million dollars in sales and, and that little sales team that could had, had uh, had done a lot. we doubled in size. There was six AEs and they had asked me to switch over to sales operations. Um, so didn't know what sales operations was come to find out it's everything that I'm doing now in love. But, um, that was my intro into sales operations was really, um, having those, um, those experiences selling and, and learning what a salesperson does and, and is from a daily basis and really getting a shot in in a tech startup to to get up and running um, with my sales operations career. So why did you choose to move in sales operations versus staying as an AE? Um, I wanted to affect more quotas than my own. Um, I think sales operations sometimes gets a bad rap um, because it maybe it's somebody who doesn't understand the salespeople does things on a cadence that they don't like as, as salespeople or, you know, they're building things, you know, there's requests from salespeople, sales operations builds, it takes back to the sales team. There wasn't like a feedback loop. And so what they built is subpar or doesn't work, um, you know, or there's people who don't understand this, this, the selling motions um, and, or, or they, you know, there's people as well who don't just don't want to handle an individual quota. Uh, I think sales are operations. You're able to affect quotas across the whole team. If you can increase everybody's productivity by 5, 10, 15, 20%, that's way more than you doing, you know, hundred percent of your own number. Um, and so um, just the ability to grow a team, be able to lead, lead that team and help uh, with everybody's overall productivity um, is really my passion. 
Got it. Can we zoom into the role today, uh, Simple Nexus? What's the size of the sales operations function uh, versus the size of the sales function? So currently, we're uh, I'm a sales operations team of one, um, and I also have responsibility into the marketing team uh, with some marketing ops uh, tasks and functions, and then um, a little bit into the CS side as well. So uh, building that revenue operations brand and um, function here at Simple Nexus. Um, I like to say that I've got, you know, 100% of my time is spent in sales operations and then 30% of my time is spent in marketing and 20% of my time is spent in in CS. And so, you know, doesn't doesn't really fit. Uh, but I'm really trying to to work out um, what that looks like long-term and, and how do we build out a true revenue operations team here over time. Um, so um, with that said, um, my, my goal um, in sales operations here is to support two account managers and that do upsells, um, five account executives, and then uh, various other um, seats on the bus. So we have, um, you know, national um, director of account development and we have um, you know a solutions engineer and we have two ADMs and then a, f- a few other seats with um, business development etc so kind of have um, small touches on on everybody um, and then also we're growing the team so we have an additional um, few account executives um, we're hiring basically in, in all areas so by by 2020, we should have around um, 10 plus quota um, carriers uh, with the ADM team doubling as well. So um, really looking to, to build my team and, and grow my team um, in 2020. Um, but right now, just trying to lay a good foundation for the AEs that are here and, and kind of in, in startup mode still. Got it. And what's the current tech stack? So we have moved off of HubSpot. Uh, we were using HubSpot Sales, HubSpot Marketing. Uh, we're now using Salesforce and Pardot for that those sales and marketing functions. Why? Um, just out of interest, why did you uh, make that transition? Um, we were having a lot of data integrity issues. Um, we had um, there's just been a few instances where we bit off a lot of data. Um, and that all got into the system over the last um, you know, year, two years, um, predating even when I was here as well. Uh, but it really, the the duplication and, and being able to sort through the data uh, from an account-based level and uh, be able to market to accounts on an enterprise level, um, I think HubSpot can be a great tool, but I don't know if it's a great tool for an enterprise-only um, sales team. Um, so we don't have any mid-market. We don't have any SMB. Um, at Simple Nexus, we have you know 15 of the top 25 largest mortgage lenders as our customers. And we're actually going down market um, and just continuing to get you know not just those named accounts, um, but also the whole enterprise um, space. Um, so thousands of accounts to sell into and, and uh, trying to, to work through those and, and be very strategic and, and work from account-based marketing and then account-based efforts um, from enterprise AEs. Um, we're not looking to do you know, high-touch, high-volume 
tons of sequences and and just blasting out marketing. Uh, we're trying to be very strategic and um, simplistic in our marketing efforts um, to give a good, you know, to do mostly uh, branding in that regard um, and get us out in front of the specific people we need to at a specific time in a specific way. And, that, and what else in the tech stack? So we also use Zoom Info um, that gathers um, prospects. Um, we have to go very wide and deep in each of our prospects. Um, you know, we may do 10 demos in to one account. Um, and so uh, reaching out um, as wide as we can in an organization is huge. So we use Zoom Info for that. And then um, we also use Calendly for scheduling. Um, and then we use Drive for phone system, Zoom for demos, um, and then Adobe Sign for contracting and, and uh, actually, you know, making the money. So um, that's kind of, I think, the build out of everything, if I've, if I've remembered everything correctly. Sure. Um, now shifting to your relationship with the reps, um, what are you currently doing to make them more productive? So we're, we've only been in Salesforce um, without any beta users. We've been for about three, three and a half months. Um, and then with um, beta users, about two, two and a half months. And then with everybody in the system, all hands on deck, you know, moving forward. Um, it's been a, just a little over a month. And so I think the the huge thing on my end is making sure that Salesforce is a tool that they can use. Um, and so we're knocking down as many barriers, getting rid of those pinch points, trying to eliminate problems and trying to make it so we can automate as much as possible in, in their day-to-day um, and make things more simple. So I'm um, rolling up my sleeves and, and really working on the, the data quality and um, the uh, day-to-day efforts of what they're doing. Got it. And then can you share a time where you've had to try and like persuade the sales team to do something um, that may not have been in their direct interest and in how you like manage the relationship and how you manage to persuade or influence them? Yeah, I think I've had a, a lot of that um, over the past three plus years, um, kind of my, my seat on the bus in sales operations is a sales operations manager, director of sales operations, you know, whatever title you have in sales operations, you're truly facilitating. Um, you're trying to get more out of the team. Uh, and so I think the, the important part is to think of yourself as a leader, um, and not just, you know, the data guy or not just, um, the, uh, back-end person on the sales team, but truly like a, a chief of staff and helping um, the VP of sales, CSO, whoever you report to or work with um, as a direct manager, um, but to really get buy-in from the AEs, ADMs, um, you know, whomever you have on your team. Um, and so I think one thing I try to do is just really listen, um, be, you, you don't necessarily have a one-on-one with salespeople, but getting the pulse of all of your reps. Um, you know, at Canopy, we grew from that original three AEs all the way up to, um, you know, 30 AEs and uh, an overall sales staff of, you know, 75, 80 people. And just knowing every single individual, caring about them, uh, you know, helping them as much as they can. And so I think that's where the buy-in comes is the day-to-day grind. Um, you're grinding, they're grinding. Uh, you know, they've got this demanding quota you know, month in or quarter, you know, quarter over quarter, month over month um, that they need to hit. 
Um, and just knowing that like, if they need something, um, you're working on it, you're behind it, you're updating them, um, and you're shadowing them, you're seeing what they're doing, you're seeing their problems, you're trying to fix them. Um, the buy-in is the easy part if you've done all of that ground, groundwork. Got it. Um, and now shifting into onboarding, you mentioned you were you're growing sales team or you're looking to grow the sales team. Do you have like a specific onboarding schedule in place at the moment or is that something that you'll develop as you bring these people on? Um, so we've um, been building an onboarding um, recently. Um, we have, uh, you know, someone who's way more than a solutions engineer here, but um, there are equal parts, you know, sales onboarding, solution engineer, um, product expert, um, working with the product team and building uh, one of our key new um, releases and, and features that we're selling on the sales team um, this year. So they, they, they kind of wear a lot of hats. Um, and she, in her role, um, owns that first week of onboarding. Um, and so first week of onboarding is bringing them here to headquarters. We only actually have one of our account executives um, here in-house um, in where we're located is Lehigh, Utah. Um, so with that said, um, the remainder of our account executives and most of our sales team is actually all over the nation. I think we've got like nine people all over. Um, and then I think seven people here between the ADMs, um, the one AE, the two account managers, myself and our CSO. Um, the rest of the team is all over. Um, Ohio, California, um, Arkansas, Missouri, North Carolina, South Carolina. So I think the big thing is uh, with that account-based effort and with you know reps that are you know enterprise account executives tenured in our space, they know the mortgage industry and and our onboarding is really getting them to understand um, Simple Nexus, our value proposition. And how they can leverage their current network and, and people they've sold to in the past to be able to, to get up and running here. And so that first week, you know, if they're in Missouri, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, they come in, they're in-house for that whole first week. And it's, you know, all, all in. They're learning about the ins and outs of the product, demoing our tech stack, getting them, to, you know, set up on systems uh, and much, much more. And then, you know, various checkpoints. Um, and week two, three, four, so that whole first month that they're being um, helped um, and guided, and, and you know we're polishing this um, over time and and getting better at this, and and then truly trying to make it a, a more scheduled um, plan moving forward, where specific things happen in week two each time, three, four, etc. Um, and so that we that month two, they're truly starting to hit the ground running and and beginning to prospect and and work and demo. Um, fully in that second in that second month got it um and then can we talk a little bit about the forecasting process you you build up the forecast and then share that with the cso or what's the process yeah so we um so the simple nexus is a little interesting um they grew for six or seven years before they took on any funding so um i came on board a year ago um this month um, and they had just taken on their first round of funding, a $20 million round from Insight Venture Partners um, to kind of grow the team. They think they were like 45 people at that point. And, and with that $20 million, they were able to you know, grow and, and be able to you know, 
leave um, kind of a, a comfort zone and grow to 110 people, as I mentioned earlier. And so with that said, um, Insight, we have the access to their sales center of excellence. And, and I've really learned a lot from what they do and how, um, how specifically the commit process and the forecasting process is very detailed um, in the summits that I've attended and, and then the work that I've done with their sales center of excellence. Um, and so we've just really taken the data and the information that they've given us um, in spreadsheets and in um, scorecards and commit and commit upside pipeline reporting, et cetera. And, you know, they've got a, a cadence that they preach um, that we've, we've really bought into. So a weekly commit call with the AEs and, and none of this is rocket science, but a weekly commit call with the AEs um, from the manager one-on-one talking about each key deal uh, and then each deal that has even an upside an upside or ought to have, say they have an upside fourth, pardon me, for this quarter. Um, and then um, I sync up with the managers of each team um, weekly as well. Um, we have those calls um, for, you know, roughly, you know, 45 to 60 minutes of walking through the entire um, committed upside and net new commits, net new upside, what slid, what's, you know, what's still there talking through, you know, what slid or what, you know, what we could pull in from pipeline. Um, and then from there, I take though all that data that the manager boiled up to to the sales operations team. And then with my, the CSO as well in that call, we put those all into um, our reports um, and get those out to the team. And then we meet weekly uh, with the revenue team, uh, which is the C-level, as well as the finance team and then the sales management. So we're working um, through those deals at a high level um, each week. Um, so all top deals are getting touched weekly. And then we're talking through commit and upside, pipeline, um, growth week over week. We're talking through the, the commits and the upside deals um, that we have for this quarter. And, you know, it kind of the, the cadence that Insight lays out you start to talk about next quarter as this quarter wraps up and, and continue to just focus on the commits for the quarter and you're building your pipeline and your upside and commit in the beginning of each quarter. And then at the end of each quarter, you're looking towards next quarter. Um, so it's, it's a great, um, it's a great process that we use and just rinse and repeat week over week with, with uh, that cadence and we've really bought into it and it's worked well. Awesome. Um, and then penultimate question, what is a, um, a key like sales metric that you've used recently that has been very insightful? Um, one thing that we've done recently is trying to, as we, you know, we're going to go double the ADM team and, and grow um, that sales support um, function to just really uh, build pipeline for, for 2020. Um, we've, we re- retooled their comp plan and, and focused them on the KPIs of discovery calls um, SALs or ops created by the account executives from those discovery calls set up by ADMs and then their closed one deals. Um, so we really have focused in on three specific KPIs. Um, everything in their comp plan um, focuses around those, everything in from the AE side and what they need to succeed from, from you know, that help from an ADM. Um, that's all within those three KPIs. And we've really um, run to that process and, and tried to build um, build that out on the ADM side. Um, so I, mean, I would say those are um, three things that we're really focusing on right now. 
Got it. So the discoveries, the opportunities from those discoveries, and then close one from those discoveries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think oftentimes that's a little farther down the the uh, pipeline than an ADM looks. Um, but we've really tried to in that enterprise cell. We've really tried to get the ADM to stay in the cell longer and be driving all the way to close one deals. Um, as I mentioned, there's so many demos that need to happen. We're re- what really matters is that solid discovery, many demos, and eventual opportunity and an eventual close one. But there's a lot that has to happen in between there and the ADMs helping out on a lot of that, trying to drive those KPIs. Totally makes sense with the with the complex sale. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. And then final question, who do you know uh, or who have you worked with that's taught you the most about sales operations? Um, so I worked with uh, originally, my VP of sales who transferred me over um, to sales operations and really he got me running is uh, Ted Farron um, at Canopy. He brought me on as an account executive there and, and uh, gave me a shot in both um, that account executive role um, at a young startup and then um, in an operations role where as a sales operations manager, you know, I I really... <laughs> Didn't know too much about what I was doing. So I had to really learn a ton from him and uh, learn his, you know, work cadence and, and, and uh, inputs from the operational side um, that he was running for, you know, a year and a half before I, I started to, to help with that and then um, take that over over time. Shout out to Ted. Shout um, out to Ted. <laughs> awesome. So let me just share what I really liked about that conversation. Um, your rationale for moving sales operations, I'd never heard before. It's about impact, really. It's about mm-hmm. just you doubling your quota in a month versus you enabling five AEs to double their quota. I thought that was super interesting. And that's mm-hmm. actually a great like sales message for sales operations, right? You can come here and impact everybody's quota. Yeah. Um, getting, I've written down here, like I remember getting the pulse. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, when we talk about sales reps, um, getting the pulse of the sales team and then the word I really liked was caring, uh, how that's kind of your job or that's kind of sales operation that's really having to understand these people and knowing them and caring about them. And that's how you get buy-in. And then finally, how you guys have aligned your your metrics to judge the, the SDR team based on your sales process. So you haven't just taken like what the best practice is or what some guru says. You've actually understood that our sales process is like this and therefore we need to incentivize them all the way to the end and therefore we'll we'll give them the commission on the close one deal and the opportunity so those are things i really liked um mo thank you so much for giving us your time today thanks for having me and uh love to be be on again if you have some more questions thank you have a good one Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.